0: which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. Season's over. We're back to the old school recap. Season seven, episodes six and seven. How you feeling? We're in the Dominican Republic, baby. This was the filming of the Kardashian hypnotized music video. I mean, it doesn't get more iconic than that. By the way, I had forgotten the absolutely chaotic nature of this vacation. Chris's lip allergic reaction took me out. I know we've seen it. I know we've seen it a million times since on TikTok, but nothing prepares you for the size of that lip. Nothing. Also, I'm going to tell you right now, my biggest takeaway from both of these episodes are that We need, and we frankly deserve, a 2023 Kardashian music video. Like the old school days, but produced to the nines. We can still have Kylie, creative director, I actually would prefer that, but really bringing out the big guns and filming this like a legit music video. I don't know why they ever stopped. Like, when I mean the fucking glory
1: days, forget about King Kylie on Tumblr. I'm talking about Kylie and Kendall on YouTube.
0: Yes, yes. And and also... The rest of the family were so into it. It wasn't like this little project that Kendall and Kylie and their friends were doing and everyone else was kind of on board just to appease them. They were so ready to be creative directed. They wanted to nail that shot. Kim's getting inspiration. Like, yes, Kim teaching them how to twerk in the pool. This this is the shit we need. Where is that? It was the peak of Scott's trip. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we're on episode six and seven. Realistically, we'll probably breeze through episode six. It's more of a setup, not a scene by scene. Keep in mind where we left off last time was episode five, Chris on her way to meet up with Todd Waterman, the man she had the affair with. And here she decides, you know what? It just doesn't feel right. She turns around. She doesn't go through with it. Keep that in the back of your mind because it will come up, but they're choosing where they're going to go on their family vacation. Initially, they think Ireland. Another theme that comes up throughout these episodes is that Courtney, who is already pretty indecisive, is really peak indecisive, you know, in the height of her pregnancy. And so she changes her mind, doesn't want to go to Ireland, and they land on the Dominican Republic. So that's how we end up there. Courtney was in Courtney form this episode. Yeah, big time. And Kim specifically was really bothered by her, to which I say, just wait. You don't even know how hard you two are going to go against each other.
1: I actually felt like every single person in this episode was the most stereotypical version of themselves.
0: Yeah, Beyonce. I mean, the scene to really mention here in terms of it setting us up for the next episode is Caitlin takes her sons, Brandon and Bert, and Scott car racing. And when she's introducing them to the instructor, she says, Here are my sons, Brandon and Bert, and my friend, Scott, to which Scott, you know, took offense. And then later in the day, someone kind of made a joke to Scott about that and referred to Caitlin as Scott's acquaintance, which kind of set him off altogether and Scott ends up leaving the track, which is the catalyst for some issues Caitlin and Scott end up having. But it also just shows you, you know, Scott struggling with that balance of really feeling like part of the family and feeling very solid in that. And then at the same time, always feeling on some level that he's a little bit on the outs, which is only intensified by the fact that, you know, Courtney really has no interest in marrying him or even signaling a longer term commitment, or I should say a more solidified commitment. And so then when he has those feelings of not feeling completely solid in his place, where he stands with Courtney, and I think the the lack of permanence there only contributes to those heightened feelings.
1: Everything that happens with Scott prior to this trip is so typical Scott, both in his reaction to it initially and how he handles it in the aftermath. Because what happens here where Caitlin introduces Bert and Brandon as her sons and then calls Scott her friend, Scott immediately after that was upset and offended by the fact that Caitlin didn't refer to him in a more familial manner. And Scott had every single right to be upset and offended by that. And actually, I think the fact that it bothered Scott so much shows an incredible amount of growth because it shows his desire to be included in that way. What ends up happening, though, is that Scott carries that comment with him throughout the entire vacation. Like when Scott goes into this trip, he is already upset and in a mood and prepared for worst case scenario because he has allowed that comment to penetrate him so deeply. And it's not that he doesn't have the right to feel the way he feels about Caitlyn saying that. It's that he didn't do anything to make it better before the trip started. All he had to do was say to Caitlin, you know, that really upset me. And I want to go into this trip on a good foot, but I just want you to know the way that that comment made me feel. And we would have had an amazing vacation, but he has so much pride behind not admitting something's bothering him, but then also not being able to get over it in the slightest that he ends up ruining the trip for himself and everybody else, and then eventually caves and says what was bothering him in the first place, where he could have avoided this altogether.
0: Well, what I always find really interesting, and I recognize it's a show, a lot of these interactions are dramatized. Maybe it's not exactly the way that it went down, but in general, this is a real theme that continued to come up, is that you would think at the very least, Scott would come to Courtney with that and voice how upsetting, how frustrating that was. And We definitely don't see it on the show, but I don't even think that would happen in real life. You know, I think that if that was something he would have done, we at least would have gotten that filmed. And to me, that's kind of where this all stems, because if he doesn't feel comfortable enough to say it to Courtney, how's he going to feel comfortable enough to bring it up to the rest of the group from the jump?
1: That's the issue with Scott and Courtney's communication style is that when something is bothering them or something is upsetting them or something is wrong, they do not bring it up until it has reached peak problem. So many of the things that upset them and so many of the things that create the problems in their relationship could be solved so much easier if they had the communication and the conversation right off the bat. And it's not just the Scott thing. Courtney does it too. They both let it escalate to the point where they have to confront it instead of choosing to confront it.
0: Well, I think we would be remiss not to acknowledge the irony of watching these episodes directly after watching this season of Kardashian, specifically the finale where we see Courtney really try to get to the root with Chris of the issues in their communication style and how she wants to work on that and how she has worked on that in therapy. And so much of what we were saying is a lot of the things that Courtney takes issue with Chris currently is the exact way that she used to interact. That was kind of right out of her playbook. And it is interesting to compare this version of Courtney to current version of Courtney. There are many, many similarities, but in terms of the specific things that she was voicing as being frustrating, she would be frustrated with no one more than herself, you know?
1: Totally. And I have so much to say about Courtney and Chris's relationship as it existed during these episodes and as it applies to today, but I want to wait until they're in the scene in episode seven where they're talking about Scott and the aftermath of Scott and Caitlin's conversation to really get into that.
0: Yeah. And we will definitely get there. I mean, just a couple of other things to mention from episode six before jumping to episode seven, we see Kim and Scott growing increasingly frustrated with Courtney and her indecisiveness. And now they're feeling as though it's starting to impact them. And this really you know, comes to a head when Kim ends up missing her flight because she's on Courtney and Scott's travel time. And Courtney ends up saying she's not ready. She wants to go a little bit later. So that's a whole situation. We can get into that. Also want to mention Kendall and Kylie's friends, Maddie and Spencer come along with them on this trip, which obviously I quickly looked on Instagram and nothing made me feel older than seeing that Spencer is pregnant. (laughs) Like what the fuck? How did we get this old? I really don't think that we should have to force ourselves to go there. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm I'm certainly not going there. We also see that, you know, initially, as we know, Chloe wasn't going to come on the trip. And when they arrive at the villa, they put them on a little scavenger hunt and it ends up leading them to Chloe who has surprised them for a couple of days, which obviously everyone is thrilled. And this is not something that's outwardly mentioned here, but Chloe's only staying for a couple of days. And so Courtney and Scott coming late, obviously limited their time with her and What I just want to say in terms of something that was, I feel definitely going on behind the scenes is that everyone acknowledged it was a big deal for Chloe to be there in the first place. And even though she was only staying for a couple of days, it still was like a big push to get her there. And it was understandable, obviously, that you know Chloe felt upset that Courtney wasn't there and she was missing out the time. But I also think this is when we didn't know what was going on, but it certainly was going on, some of the stuff with Lamar. And so I think for Chloe, there was that added element of like, I left Lamar, which you know is a very touchy situation at the moment, like to be here with you and where the fuck are you kind of, it wasn't as simple as just, you know, she left her husband. It was, she left her husband, I think in a time when things were potentially starting to go awry.
1: Right. Like she left her husband in a time where she didn't know if she could trust leaving her husband. And again, we always talk about this when it comes to the Chloe and Lamar stuff. The timeline there is a little bit fuzzy. We don't know the exact details and dates of when everything started with Lamar. But in the TMZ interview that we watched with Lamar, what he kind of details is that everything started to go downhill when he was traded from the Lakers to the Mavericks. And so what we're dealing with with Chloe right now is Chloe currently living in Dallas with Lamar. And so based on the timetable that Lamar kind of loosely described in that more recent TMZ interview, we can kind of... Arrive at the conclusion that things are at the very least starting to become problematic with Chloe and Lamar. And even when they're talking about Chloe not making it on the trip, when they think she isn't coming and isn't going to surprise them, Chris says, you know, we've already missed Christmas and Easter with Chloe. And so I think that we are now starting to get those very little hints as to. What is taking place in Dallas? What is taking place with Chloe's ability to leave Lamar and feel comfortable leaving him alone? And so, yeah, her being on this trip, even for a very short period of time was a big deal. And also it goes to show you the reason that she could only be on this trip for a very short period of time. Because even though she comes and surprises them, it's not like she says, oh, you know, you guys got here later. Let me extend the trip so that I can be with you guys the whole time. It's like Chloe has a hard out and she was making that
0: hard out. Yeah, but think about watching this the first time around, whenever this aired, never for one second was my mind going to the fact that potentially she felt she needed to get back to Lamar Because basically she felt she needed to be there to ensure that everything stayed copacetic. You know, I just thought Chloe and Lamar attached at the hip, her even leaving him for a few days is a big deal. And not to say that wasn't a factor. They were. Like that was certainly at play regardless, even if nothing was going on. But I also think it was Chloe feeling as though her being physically there added a level of control to a situation that maybe was starting to unravel.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, even when Chloe leaves, she doesn't give any sort of hint or clue as to anything going on with Lamar. Like she leaves the trip, the very chaotic trip, and says, I can't wait to get back to my peaceful, like calming husband. And we don't know if that was necessarily the case at the time. And all signs kind of point to it not being. But one thing Chloe was not going to do at this time was give us any slight indication that something could even potentially be wrong.
0: You know, she was holding on for dear life there, not cluing us in until it was absolutely unavoidable. I do just want to mention, because obviously Courtney and Scott arrive. We have this whole dinner scene, which we'll get into. One line I just want to highlight is before everyone gets back, they're all out on the boat or wherever they are. Scott is talking to Rob about why he's feeling upset with Caitlin. And he explains the comment at the track. And Rob's response is something like, Yeah, but I mean, you're basically a son-in-law. And Scott says back, No, but I'm not. And what's so interesting about that is throughout these episodes, we see that really being framed from the perspective of, Scott is not technically a son-in-law because Courtney, you know, quote, refuses to marry him. And it's not until Courtney marries him and officially brings him into the family that he will be perceived as a full son-in-law, both by them and also for him in terms of his feeling of stability. And how interesting now, however many years later, Him and Courtney pretty much have no relationship other than whatever they need to for co-parenting. Yet Scott has never been more of a solidified son-in-law. And I just think that is not a reality that we could have ever been prepared for when watching this the first, second, third, fourth times around. You know, it was like Scott really felt, and of course, understandably, that his only in with this family was being fully in with Courtney. And I just think I'd love to watch a 2023 Scott watch this episode and see how things have really been switched up.
1: You know, it's funny, we always talk about what it would be like for them to go back and have to watch the episodes from from these days and and watching it now. And specifically, I think that came up a lot when we were watching Chloe and Lamar. We were saying, like, it would be like the cruelest task to ask Chloe to sit down and rewatch the glory days with Lamar. Like, I, I would never put her through that. It seems like it would be something that if she had put it out of her mind. In terms of how in love with Lamar she was, in order to protect herself. Like, to me, that is the most understandable thing that she could do because watching back the old episodes when they are really in their glory days, like, that is a level of love that Chloe has not shown or experienced, I don't think, since Lamar. The way that I feel about Scott and watching these episodes back is like, it would be equally as cruel to do that because A, you can see the insecurity just bubbling in Scott, like the inability to find comfort fully in the situation that he's in. And by the way, the same goes for Courtney. But also on top of that, just the way that Scott deals with these problems in general is nothing that he would be okay with today. I think it would really bother him to have to watch that back. And what I mean by that here specifically is I 100% believe that Courtney's unwillingness to marry Scott has created so much instability for him. Like it is something that he really struggles with. It is something he so clearly wants and so clearly feels like he can't fully be comfortable and 100% in this relationship with Courtney without that title. Because obviously the fact that she is unwilling to do it points to a larger issue in their relationship. However, the way that Scott deals with that is not by addressing those problems and really talking about it and really explaining to Courtney how it makes him feel. It's about trying to guilt her into doing that, trying to guilt her into doing something that she is unwilling to do. And so when Scott and Rob are sitting and having this conversation and Scott's like, well, I don't feel like I'm part of the family. Like everybody makes me feel like I'm on the outskirts and like, so does Caitlin. I don't even like that Caitlin thinks that she's Mason's grandfather. She's not. And I would say it to her face. It's like, That is not the way to go about this. Even if your initial feeling and your initial message is warranted and correct, the guilt and the manipulation tactics that Scott attempts to use in order to
0: rectify that is his downfall. Well, first of all, hard yes to that. But I actually disagree slightly because I think I would welcome current day Scott watching these episodes. And while I'm sure on some level, he'd be horrified at some of his behavior, I think it's very easy when mourning the loss of his relationship with Courtney and specifically, you know, seeing her in this head over heels relationship with Travis to put on rose colored glasses in terms of what they could have had or what they did have. And not to say they didn't have a lot of great times, but a lot of their relationship was exactly like this, just pulling teeth to kind of communicate him constantly being put down, him never feeling as though he was ever really, you know, good enough or they were ever in a stable enough position. And I think, I am mean, listen, not necessarily now, because I think Scott is a lot more over it than he had been, let's say, two seasons ago. But I actually think there could be a piece of him that's like, wow, no shit, it didn't work out. And thank God I'm past that because who wants this? Right, I could see that too. It would
1: just be very difficult for him. And he said that, you know, in the past when he talks about the show, he's like, I'm going to have a lot of explaining to do it to the kids when they are eventually old enough to watch this and understand it because- you know all of them have moments on the show that I'm sure they are not proud of. Scott has seasons on the show that he's not proud of,
0: no, and I'm sure that's something he thinks about often, but I, I I do feel that specifically if we're talking about these episodes, the biggest issue is him not feeling like he was fully a part of the family and feeling as though that was completely dependent on Courtney making up her mind. So I think there would be a part of him that's kind of like, "Wow, I kind of hacked the system. Like here I have no relationship with Courtney and Chris forget about a son-in-law Chris considers me a son. You know, like I think actually there's a piece of him that's like, wow, I really did the damn thing. Like they love me for me. I'm no longer an extension of Courtney. I'm actually I have zero connection to Courtney and they're still hosting me a lord-inspired 40th birthday.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's so much to that relationship and and the way that has progressed over the years. But yes, I I do I completely
0: agree. Get warm, rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince dot com slash CBC. Okay, so we're now at dinner. It's the last scene before going into episode seven. And at the beginning of the meal, Chloe kind of asks if Chris ever ended up meeting with Todd. She says no. And later the conversation switches to how generally Courtney is pretty non-committal and she's having a hard time making decisions. And Courtney says in her confessional, who does my mom think she is? She definitely shouldn't be attacking my relationship after what she's been up to. And at the table, Courtney says, I'm not going to take relationship advice from you. Who's going and meeting with people from your past. And Caitlin, who again, does not know about this asks, who are you meeting from your past? Chris says, I'm not meeting anyone from my past. Courtney says, you're not meeting with the person who broke up your marriage with my dad? Chris says, uh, actually, no. That shows how much you know and how much you've paid attention and you're up to speed. Courtney says, well, you met with him. Caitlin said, did she? Chris said, I met with him playing tennis. And Caitlin then asked Chris if she gave Todd her number. Chris isn't answering. And Caitlin says in her confessional, I'm at a loss for words at this point. Why would she ever even make contact with this Todd? This makes me sick to my stomach. And Caitlin basically gets up from the table, says, I lost my appetite. Pretty much the rest of the family leaves and it's now just Chloe and Chris. And Chris says, you know, I never gave him my information, Chloe. And Chloe says, you said that if and when you were going to meet up with him, you were going to discuss with Caitlin first. So you're a liar. Again, keep in mind, all of this on some level is dramatized for the show. However, I fully believe entirely that If any of this were to go on in the way that it did, Caitlin would have been left in the dark, which is why who knows what actually went down. But I think a lot of this was real in that Chris still felt as though, specifically when it came to Todd, there was a line she felt comfortable blurring that I do think in real life wasn't blurrable.
1: Right, like my reaction to this was that I was obviously upset for Chris in the way that this went down in terms of everybody getting up at dinner on vacation the idea that everybody is finally together and she has waited so long for everybody to get there and for the trip to really start. And once it finally does, this kind of goes to shit. And also the fact that Courtney inappropriately brought it up in the first place. However, the way that I felt about the reaction to it is that I felt as though Caitlin was entirely warranted in how she reacted. and. Had Chris actually met with Todd or even the fact that Chris was entertaining this idea of meeting with Todd, for Caitlyn to be as upset as she was and feel the sense of betrayal made sense to me. This wasn't a conversation that they had where, you know, Chris had said to Caitlyn, I really want to do this. I think it would be good for closure." Like this was something where Chris had initially told Caitlyn about the interaction at tennis and then... Caitlin's impression of it was that it was shut down and done and the rest of the family's impression of it was that Chris was still entertaining this idea of maybe going to see Todd completely unbeknownst to Caitlin and so Caitlin's upset and Caitlin's desire to storm off and just leave the situation yes as Caitlin says later on was very Scott-esque but also it was a
0: incredibly understandable reaction to what Caitlin was being told Oh, I mean, Caitlin just felt entirely disrespected and she was fully valid for feeling that way. What Chris was doing or even thinking about doing and not thinking about, I mean, on the episode, we saw her get dressed, get in her car and go on her way there. You know, of course, if you're Caitlin, you're going to react like that. I think the other thing, which of course is not overly necessary to mention because it's not Courtney's fault. It's Chris's fault. If Chris never did the thing, there would never be anything for Courtney to bring up. However, I think these are the types of moments where if you're Chris, it's like, Courtney just has no fucking chill. You know, Kim would never pull this shit in this way, whereas Courtney on some level enjoyed that.
1: Yes. And (laughs) a hilarious element of this entire thing that I feel like we keep forgetting about is the presence of Maddie and Spencer. POV or Maddie and Spencer. Like, I don't care how close you are with someone's family. Like, you could literally be best, best, best family friends when someone else's family starts to fight and specifically the parents and specifically with marital issues, there is simply nothing more uncomfortable than the entire world than sitting there at that dinner. Like they are close enough that Maddie and Spencer pretty much dropped Chris into a pool, causing Chris to break her toe and then had pretty much no reaction as if that would be out of the question for their behavior and the closeness of their family. But There is no way that they were just fully comfortable sitting there watching Chris and Caitlyn get into a marital issue that involved Chris's ex-boyfriend who she cheated on her ex-husband with.
0: Right. By the way, they probably knew Todd Waterman's name just because you knew Todd Waterman's name. Like Todd Waterman was the man that she cheated on Robert Kardashian with. So I'm sure when Todd's brought up, their heads are on a fucking swivel. That was a crazy underrated presence to have because it's never acknowledged. You know what I mean? Like, it's never
1: like, guys, Maddie and Spencer are here, let's just like be on our best behavior and we'll deal with our family issues when we get home. It's like, nope, we are going to full out have this out and not even acknowledge Maddie and Spencer's presence.
0: Well, I think that once you're past the point of comfort of being brought on the family vacation, at that point, all bets are off. I guess. But it was still, it was crazy. No, no. It was nuts. I'm just saying, if they're choosing to bring an outside presence, they're not then limiting their conversation because of the presence. They're like, listen, you're about to see the good, bad, and the ugly. I wish I was Maddie and Spencer. So Mother's Day is coming up. And I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because... Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting auraframes.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. Like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company for every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash cbc. That's Thrive Cosmetics, dot com slash cbc for 10% off your first order. Okay, so we are now on episode seven. As we know, Caitlin has kind of stormed off from the meal, and Chris finds Caitlin upstairs getting her stuff together saying, you know what, fuck this, I'm sleeping downstairs. Like, Again, however much was dramatized for this, I do truly believe there was a lot of reality behind this circumstance.
1: Well, as much was dramatized, certainly was on display during vacation. But as we've discussed going in to this season and specifically these episodes, Caitlin and Chris's marriage was not in a good place. Like In the first couple of episodes of season seven, that was so clearly on display and so Whatever problems they're experiencing as a result of the Todd Waterman situation, yes, maybe those were exaggerated, but we know eventually they do get
0: divorced. Well, also, and I'm skipping ahead for a second, we'll come back. The next day when Kim is asking Caitlin if her and Chris are still fighting, Caitlin's response is, you know, I'm not fighting with her, but I'm just disappointed that she would get that stupid guy's email address. And she says... And I quote, I mean, the last time I talked to the guy, when we first started dating, he calls up and literally was like, wanted to fight me. This little wimp, I thought, who is this guy? You know, next time I hear from him is 21 years later and Chris has got his email. It's just stupid. Would you say to the guy, if he had kind of done all that to you, okay, here's my email. And I mentioned that just to say, it's not as though this was an affair that happened in a completely other life that Chris lived completely separate from Caitlin. Yes, the affair was her cheating on Robert Kardashian, but Caitlyn had at least some interaction with Todd Waterman. Obviously he was very pissed when he found out Caitlyn and Chris were dating. So it, 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 I don't know, to me, just adds substance here because it's not as though it's some random guy. It's some guy that Caitlyn was very intimately familiar with at the time. Right, like you have to remember in discussing
1: the Todd Waterman, Caitlyn, Robert Kardashian of it all is that these timelines were very close together. Caitlin and Chris got married very, very soon after Rob and Chris got divorced. And so in between that was Todd Waterman. There was a lot of timeline overlap between kind of all three. It was a tricky situation that we obviously were not privy to at the time, but later found out about. And so, of course, you can imagine the way that this would be very sensitive for Caitlyn. It's not just an ex-boyfriend, as she described. It's somebody that Caitlyn
0: understood the situation of very intimately. But let us also not forget, you know, during the OJ trial, who was sitting next to Chris? Caitlyn. <laughs> like, Caitlyn was very involved in that entire time of Chris's life, you know, the aftermath of Robert, the immediate aftermath of Robert. Caitlin was right there when Robert was passing away. I just always think it's important to remember Caitlin was not someone that came in so after the picture and, you know, Robert and everything that went on there was the thing of the past as far as Caitlin was concerned. It wasn't.
1: Well, there's also an interesting element to it where Caitlin feels a loyalty to Robert Kardashian, you know, when Robert passed away, Caitlyn promised that she would take care of those kids as if they were her own. When Robert was still alive, Caitlyn and Robert did form this friendship. They would golf together. Robert had a relationship with Kendall and Kylie. They called him uncle Robert. And so it's not just, yes, of course, the majority of the issue here is between Caitlyn and Chris, but a lot of the anger also has to do with this protection that, Caitlin feels to preserving Robert's memory and not allowing the person that Robert probably hated most in this world to come back into the picture.
0: Right. And I also want to mention, you know, in last episode, we saw Courtney bring up the Todd Waterman of it all kind of as a way to deflect from Chris really wanting to center the conversation about what's going on with Courtney and Scott. And Courtney's response is basically like, I'm not taking relationship advice from someone who is just meeting up with her ex. And I think that's all valid in terms of I can take that at face value and that Courtney was pissed and she just said that knowing it would get a rise out of both parties. But also, let us not forget, it's far deeper there with Courtney. You know, there's a lot of resentment she still carries and still to this day carries in terms of Chris doing that and and how that impacted her specifically being the oldest. And so I just want to add that into the conversation.
1: Well, it's the kind of thing where Even if there was nothing going on with Courtney and Scott and they were completely fine on this vacation, had Courtney found this information out going into dinner, it probably still would have been brought up in some capacity.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Also, you know, this is when Chris's lip blows up, which I know I said in the beginning of the episode, nothing prepares you for that. I know we have all seen this scene a million times, but God, that's a lip. Oh my God. No, that was crazy. I always forgot how big it was. Like- it is so big. I, I was so taken aback. When she moves her hand, they're expecting that she's being dramatic. You know, and then she moves her hand and they're all like, holy shit. It's the kind of thing where,
1: like I said in the beginning of this episode, it was so much more chaotic than I remember. It was like, everything was a little bit more dramatized than I remember. Like, Courtney and Scott were worse than I remember. The fight between Chris and Caitlin was a little bit worse than I remember. And Chris's lip was definitely worse than I remember.
0: definitely so also this is when the Courtney and Scott stuff really starts to hit the fan because Courtney wants Scott to get up start to have a day and he's really not interested and she's like what you're just going to sleep all day and he goes well I want to sleep all day the more I sleep the less time I have to hang out with everybody she goes you're going to lay here all day he goes I just want to get this trip over with and she's like come on get up enjoy your day he goes what am I going to enjoy your family's getting a little out of control me you and Mason should just go somewhere else And Courtney in her confessional saying, Scott's being so selfish, just sleeping off his hangover all day. He should be outside enjoying the beautiful day with family. You know, we're on a family vacation. Again, in the scheme of things, so minor, but you see how relatively minor instances turn into something so much bigger because for Courtney, it's not as simple as Scott just wanting alone time and not wanting to deal with it. Even though that was very much at play, the second she sees Scott not engaging because he may be hungover, Of course, for Courtney, that's very triggering based on their past. So that's at play. It makes her probably more upset at the situation than she would be if he just really didn't want to get out of bed that day or really just had a one-time hangover. And then on top of it, the issue that's not even being discussed is why is Scott being overwhelmed by the family? What's going on there to overwhelm him? The reason I was so annoyed watching Scott in this scene is
1: A, the hangover aspect. It's like, you know... It's one thing to be hungover. It's another thing when your hangover then impacts your family. And I don't mean Courtney's entire family. I mean the fact that you are on vacation with your son and your girlfriend, and you now are refusing to get out of bed and have a day with them. So they now have to suffer for your actions. The second part of why I was so annoyed listening to Scott kind of say, the less time I'm awake, the less time I have to spend with your family is because it's bullshit. He was upset with Caitlyn and maybe he was upset at some of the things that Chris said, but he had just spent the night before fucking around with Rob. Before he was fucking around with Rob, he was sitting in bed with Rob and Kim and they were all joking around together. It's not the family that he can't stand. It's two people that he was annoyed with in that particular moment that he then decided to not only take out on the entire family, but then specifically take out on Courtney.
0: Well, okay. So now let's go to the next scene. It's Kim, Courtney, Scott, Rob, and Mason. And Kim kind of jokingly says to Scott in passing, I heard you peed in the trash can last night. And Rob's laughing about it, you know, saying it was the funniest thing. And Courtney says, you're a teenager, not a grown father, a grown father peeing in a trash can. And Scott's like, you know, I just, I think I could use a beer right now. And Courtney's like, I don't think that you need to be drinking in the middle of the day. And Scott in his confessional says, this is exactly why I didn't want to get out of bed. Now I have all these people nagging me at all times. I feel like I'm going to lose my mind here. Which just kind of to prove the point you were just making, it's not, as Scott calls it, all of these people nagging him. This is an issue between him and Courtney because Courtney understandably is very triggered by even seeing a glimmer of this type of behavior. It's not that what Scott's doing right now is so bad, so terrible. It's that Courtney lived through hell with him. And you as Scott don't get to just punch a wall in Miami when your girlfriend is there with your newborn baby and then not expect that she's of course going to get a little bit anxious when you start to exhibit even a little bit of this type of behavior. But exactly the point you were just making is shown in that one interaction.
1: Well, the thing that scott does a lot in in these years which is something that you and i have discussed in general as being one of our biggest pet peeves is he is case in point example of do something wrong get called out for doing something wrong and then get upset that you're being called out you don't get called out if you're not doing something incorrect in the first place and that is just the most typical on display Scott behavior in the entire world. You cannot get upset and be sensitive to something that somebody else is critiquing about you when you are the one that is doing that
0: thing in the first place. Listen, here is the thing. And cause I'm not defending Scott here, obviously. I get why Courtney was annoyed. She also happens to handle it in just like the most the annoying possible way, way possible. Right, and, like mm-hmm. she's just, yes. She she can't just have an honest conversation with him that really comes from her heart. It has to be these like mean comments that call into question his entire ability as a father. Like it's, it's so not the way to handle it. So I I do understand him having a negative reaction to that because she takes his immaturity and then handles it in her own immature way. But you know, if you're choosing like the lesser of two evils, it's yes, Courtney calling out the shitty behavior versus Scott doing the shitty behavior in the first place. And by the way, I don't mean The shitty behavior being him peeing in a trash can or fucking around with Rob. To me, that's like so not a big deal in the scheme of things. It's more so his inability to understand why Courtney, specifically pregnant Courtney, would... Naturally have a reaction to that given the hell he put her through. That's my issue. It's not that this is an isolated incident. It's such a big deal. What you've never been drunk and been a little bit sloppy. It's not like he did anything terrible. It's it's so much more so. He doesn't have in in this moment in time, he doesn't have the awareness to be able to get why that would cause her some anxiety. This whole relationship between the two of them was such a toxic cycle.
1: And I think Scott did a lot wrong. A million percent. Scott did a lot of things that he should have never done. A lot of things that we know about because it happened on camera and it was shown through us in the episodes. And a lot of things that we don't have those specific details to because they weren't on camera, but we certainly know about a lot of cheating, a lot of drug use, a lot of stuff that really impacted his relationship with Courtney. But in these episodes specifically, you can so clearly see the toxic cycle that they both find themselves in. And it especially comes into play when the rest of the family gets involved because what Courtney does is that she gets upset with Scott and a lot of times rightfully so the rest of the family gets upset with Scott and she either doesn't react and acts like she doesn't care or she then gets upset with the rest of her family for getting upset with Scott and then defends Scott. And then Scott ends up in the right position All for having done something wrong in the first place. It is just like the the dynamic of everybody involved created for the worst possible. I, I don't want to say the worst possible because it's not the worst possible. They had some excellent times during these years. And I think they really did love each other. But their relationship and the problems they had were so extremely cyclical. It almost got repetitive.
0: It did get repetitive. I mean, it's no way to live. You know, you're watching this and you cannot believe that this existed for so many years after the fact. They had Penelope, then they had rain. I mean, it's it's kind of unbelievable that they were both willing to exist in this for so long. And when Courtney, current day Kardashians, refers to the relationship as toxic, you watch these scenes and you really understand what she means. Whereas sometimes you can look at it through rose-colored glasses and Forget about that. But you can't forget about it when you're watching it because it's, it's very real. It wasn't enjoyable for anyone involved. Like, yeah, there were times when they had so much fun, but on the whole, they weren't having so much fun. No. Or at least they weren't having completely
1: uninterrupted fun because as soon as they were having the best time, the worst time then popped up and yeah. then they'd have the best time again.
0: Anyway, so Scott basically is like, fuck this, I'm out of here. He goes to a hotel. He's looking at flights to LA. Courtney's kind of debriefing with everyone. And Caitlin then says, you know, is this something that he pulls? Like he kind of did it at the car race. I don't get it. And Courtney's kind of saying that at times that's his MO, just leaving the situation, which if you go back, that was one of the tactics that he learned in therapy. Not that I'm saying avoidance is the solution, but you know, he did learn that if he feels as though he's going to blow up, it's better to remove himself from the situation. And Caitlin says to Courtney, he can't face up to things. Are you willing to deal with all of this for the rest of your life? And Courtney says, I feel like he gets better overall. Like his tantrums aren't as bad. Normally, that would have been crazy. And Caitlin says, I don't know if he's just some spoiled kid or whatever. I don't know. Courtney then leaves and Caitlin says to Chris, Well, I feel sorry for Courtney. It's tough being in a difficult relationship like that. It just kind of makes every day a strain. And she doesn't know every day when she gets up, what type of person she's going to have to deal with that day. It's ridiculous. I feel like I should go to talk to Scott because I still have unfinished business. And Caitlin says to Chris, and I don't want to criticize him. I just want to say something to kind of help him out and how to deal with people. Life's too short. Which Chris responds, yeah, and life's too short for you to sit around wondering if I saw my ex-boyfriend or not. And Caitlin says, so did you actually meet up with him? And Chris says, no, I didn't. I just need you to trust me and realize that I'm not going to see him. Caitlin says, I've always trusted you. And Chris responds, all right, then drop it. Everyone else is in turmoil around us at all times. And we're the two people that are supposed to keep it together. So let's keep it together. And then Caitlin says in her confessional, boy, here I am going on and on about Scott walking out on Courtney. But really, I guess I walked out on Chris too. Love a cinematic parallel. Me too. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T H E O U A I dot and enter promo code Celebs for 15% off any product. That's T H E O U A I dot promo code Celebs. Okay, so Caitlin now goes to Scott's hotel room and she's basically saying, you know, what the hell happened today? And Scott says, I don't know. It just seems like no matter what, there's always something somebody can find wrong with me. And it's like, I feel like I've changed a lot about myself over the years to try and be a better person, be a better father. Somehow, no matter what I do, there's always something that somebody's not happy with me about. It sucks and it tires me out. And Caitlin's response to that is, you know, the way I look at it is just leaving is not the right way to deal with it. And you've done a lot of that. Okay, if everything isn't going right, what does Scott do? I don't deal with it, leave. And I can give you a lot of examples, obviously at the race, which we'll get into in a second. Scott then responds and says, maybe I am a little too sensitive sometimes, but something happened earlier at the track that made me kind of take a step back from our relationship. You introduced your sons and then you said, this is my son Bert and my son Brandon and oh, my friend Scott. And somebody came up to me and said, oh, your acquaintance is over there, like teasing me as if you could care less about me. It got me sensitive, it did. I don't have a family out here, it's just tough for me. Courtney doesn't even want to marry me. It's not like we're really married and you're my real father-in-law or nothing. I'm just left as the outsider. I changed a lot of who I was and being selfish and doing things for myself because all I wanted is to make Courtney happy. And truthfully, I'm scared every single day that I'm going to wake up and she's going to tell me it's over because I did one little thing. I'm scared to do anything. (sighs) What a monologue. I have so much to say
1: and so little to say, actually, because it's the exact same thing that always happens. The fact of the matter is, is that this was just a couple that wasn't right for each other. Courtney couldn't trust him. Scott couldn't trust that. First of all, Scott couldn't really trust himself, but Scott couldn't trust that he was going to act in any sort of a way that wouldn't involve criticism, which meant that Scott really couldn't fully be himself. and it just as a result created nonstop constant issues between the two of them. Neither of them could just sit and relax and be comfortable and content in this relationship. And it was just so evident in what Scott was saying that, yeah, he does have all of these insecurities. Yes, he does have a lot of issues in terms of the way him and Courtney's relationship exists. But also on top of that, Scott doesn't have the wherewithal to understand his own behavior in terms of what would be acceptable to Courtney and what isn't. Because for him, he just wants to do what he wants. And if he's basing all of his behavior, which by the way, to me, it's like, okay, just like don't be hungover on vacation with your family. Don't storm out of places. Don't be rude. But for Scott, it's like any ounce of criticism for that makes him feel like he can't be himself, which he shouldn't feel like he can't be in a relationship. But also, Courtney, if you feel like Scott can't be himself and he can't operate in a way that is respectful to you or respectful to your boundaries, then you
0: shouldn't be in a relationship with him. Well, but that was the other thing. Courtney, on some level, knew that. And you can see that throughout this episode. There was always a piece of Courtney at the back of her mind that knew there's certainly a potential this doesn't work out. And let me be clear. I am not necessarily saying that that was the reason she kept putting off the idea of marriage. Yes, I think it played a role, but I think that that's far too simplistic of a read on the situation because I think there are a lot of people that feel 100% confident with the person that they're with and that that is their person, but marriage is just not something they necessarily see in the cards for them. And I'm sure a lot of people would make the argument, well, Courtney probably just told herself that because she never really felt there with Scott. It's impossible to say chicken or egg. It really, really is. But I, I think even if Courtney was dating someone else that didn't have some of the same issues Scott had, I don't know if until Travis the idea of marriage would have been so overly appealing to her because she experienced the trauma and the aftermath of Chris and Robert's split in a really serious way. And so I I just want to mention that because as we continue to go through this episode and the conversations come up about the idea of marriage and how Scott's really feeling as though he needs that or at least needs some verbal commitment to that to really solidify his place, not only with Courtney, but also in the family. And Courtney's resistance to that, to me, while I certainly think Courtney subconsciously felt this wasn't totally right. I don't think that is the only reason she was hesitant to the idea of marriage.
1: Okay. So my thought is, I don't think it's the only reason she was hesitant to the idea of marriage. I think she would be hesitant to the idea of marriage regardless, because even when she and Travis were getting married, it wasn't this concept of It's Scott that I don't want to marry, and I never thought I was going to get married because of the person I was with. It was like I overall, at any time I've pictured my future, never found the idea of marriage appealing, or never thought that that would be me, whether Scott was, you know, in the picture or not. It could have even been pre-Scott that she had had those thoughts for the first time, and it probably was. My thought in terms of the Scott situation, though, and in terms of marrying him, is that I think for a while I thought it was much more subconscious than it actually was. Like, I think we were approaching the situation as like, well, there's something in her that's just not letting her, you know, fully commit to Scott. She knows something's not a hundred percent right. And subconsciously, that's why she's not getting married. I don't think that's what it is. I think it was a fully conscious decision that she just wasn't admitting to anybody because that would have meant the end of her relationship with Scott. I think she very consciously knew I want to be with Scott for now. I want to be with Scott until it no longer serves me to be with Scott. And because of that, I won't be marrying him in that way. And I don't think it was this subconscious. I'm hesitant. I think it was a very conscious. He, he is serving the purpose as my partner for now, but I'm fully aware of the issues that exist in this relationship. And I'm fully aware of the fact that these issues aren't just going away.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I very much agree with that read. Also, by the way, Kaylin's response to Scott, which was overall positive because, you know, it ended up with Scott coming back to the villa and they work through things, but I felt like Scott was being pretty vulnerable in expressing just how much that comment about, you know, my friend Scott impacted him. And Kaylin could have been a little bit more comforting, I would say. I agree. I agree. Anyway, Caitlin comes back to the hotel, fills Chris in on what's going on, and says, you know, he's been in the family for what, six years now? Two kids, still not married. Courtney's playing her games with him. He never feels quite worthy. And Chris says, Well, that makes me feel bad that he doesn't feel like part of the family. I want him to feel loved and that he's the father of my grandchildren. Again, obviously hearing that knowing current day, Chris and Scott, you know, that very much tracks. That is not a sentiment that would have been communicated by Chris a couple of years ago. No, absolutely not. No. Okay. So we're now at dinner. Scott comes back. He arrives at dinner with Rob. There's more of a lighthearted feel here in terms of everyone acknowledging the blowup that just happened, but it's not a super heavy energy. And, you know, Courtney acknowledges that she agrees with Chris. It's a big deal that Scott showed up given everything that just went down. And when the rest of the table goes up to dance, it's just Courtney and Scott at the table. And Courtney says, I swear we talk better on text. And Scott says, okay, so just write me later. And Courtney's like, no, we can talk when we get back. He goes, I'm pretty drained. She goes, okay, we can talk tomorrow, but I do think we need to talk. He goes, I agree. I'm ready to talk whenever you are. So minor in the scheme of things. I'm not trying to overly analyze that one little interaction, but for them to be sitting at this table, her pregnant with their second child after the blowup and her saying, even relatively jokingly, I swear we talk better on text, like some could call that alarming.
1: Yeah, I mean- And it's not something that I ever would have thought about them. I mean, obviously, because we're not reading their text. But I think that when they're not having issues, the way that they communicate with each other is is great. You know what I mean? Like when they have issues is when the communication issue is bad. But when they're having a good time and they're at their best, the way they talk and the way they interact is not necessarily anything that's worthy of like picking apart and analyzing. So I guess maybe it's when they have issues and they're, separated or they're, you know, Scott's sleeping in the other bedroom and they're texting about it late at night that like,
0: it's easier to then confront those issues. I don't know, but it was an interesting comment. Well, I think she more so means even not in the height of the fighting, but even in the immediate aftermath, like trying to get back to a normal place. They're both so, they're just so different in their communication styles that of course it doesn't, you know, work out when they're sitting there in person, because Courtney, as much as she's the one that technically, I guess, like had the issue is also so avoidant in some ways.
1: Right. So she's probably better
0: on text. (laughs) She's no, she's totally definitely better on text. And also a huge issue in all of this is that Scott at the core of it is like a very kind of sensitive guy. And you cannot be with Courtney Kardashian if you are a overly sensitive guy, I know the immediate argument is like, well, Travis is a pretty sensitive guy. Yeah. But I'm talking, I'm talking this, this version, Courtney. I mean, even to me kind of current day, but I I do think the Travis relationship has changed her a little bit. Like that's just not going to fly because what he needs from a partner in terms of just like the overwhelming sensitivity, comfort, words of affirmation, you are never going to get that from Courtney. Right. Their relationship just did not serve either of them. No, and I cannot believe in retrospect how long they fucking tried. Like I I don't I was about to say I respect them for it, but it's not even that I respect them for it because I I also think if you don't, you know, there's no shame in just getting out if you don't think it is. But I I just can't believe it. Like, holy fuck. This was so many years ago. Think about we were still dealing with this, what, season 19, season 20 of Kardashians. Up until her and Travis were fully
1: together, there was always an element of Courtney and Scott, whether they were together or not, that we were dealing with in some
0: capacity. Okay, so the next day, Scott and Caitlin are out kayaking together, and Chris and Courtney are shopping. And Chris then says to Courtney, You know, I'll tell you one of your problems with Scott. You're always going to have that problem that you had yesterday over and over and over again, unless you just kind of realize that if you never commit to him and you make him feel insecure. And as she's talking, Courtney kind of interjects and is like, Mom, we're committed. We're in a relationship with two kids. And Chris says, you turned down every offer he's ever made you. So he feels like he's disposable. And in her confessional, Chris says, I feel like this happened the last time Courtney was pregnant. She's overwhelmed and I'm sure she's tired. and She doesn't want to deal with the reality of Scott. So I'm kind of feeling bad for Scott. And that's why I've encouraged Courtney to maybe go out and get him something special so that he'll feel loved and accepted. Which like, by the way, yeah, in theory, but a fucking beaded bracelet is not doing the trick.
1: I mean, I also I don't know, like to me, the idea that Courtney should be the one to buy Scott a gift in this circumstance was so confusing to me. Like, it's not like this was a situation where Scott was incredibly vulnerable and upset this entire trip and did nothing wrong or didn't act out in any sort of way. And. He was just kind of left feeling bad for himself and everyone rallied behind him. Like Scott still acted in a somewhat inappropriate manner. He still threw a fit and left the hotel. So the idea that Courtney should be the one to buy him a gift to make him feel more secure is ridiculous. Should Courtney have a conversation with Scott? Should they talk about what happened and Courtney give him some sort of overwhelming validation as to where she's at with their relationship? Absolutely. But should Courtney have to give him some sort of a symbolic gesture to prove her commitment to him and, you know, almost ask for his forgiveness for how she's approached the situation? Like, to me, I was watching this scene and I was like, oh, this is another huge aspect of the issues between Courtney and Chris that still exists today.
0: Well, right. Also, because in this moment, the more appropriate conversation is Chris saying to Courtney, and maybe it wasn't going to happen here, but like, listen, there is obviously a major block you have in terms of getting there. And let's talk more about that. The solution isn't, there are all these glaring reasons as to why you're so opposed to the idea of something more permanent with him. I know everything I said previously about her, maybe just also having a little bit of a lack of comfortability with the idea of marriage in general, but I'm talking specifically with Scott And it's more so, let's do the thing that makes him feel the most comfortable. Let's get him a ring that promises you're going to spend the rest of your life with him. It's one, not diving into the conversation that is really the more emotionally intense one that needs to exist, but also centering Scott in this moment, centering the guy's feeling in this moment.
1: Right, exactly. But on the other hand, the other thing that I will say just in terms of like giving Chris a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here is, there was a period of time where Chris was full, like, get out of this. Scott's not the right partner for you. You don't deserve to be treated like this. And Courtney made it extremely abundantly clear that that is not the route that she was willing to take. And so I think for Chris, who sees kind of two options potentially, which is either Courtney gets out or you make Scott feel good. She knows that saying Courtney getting out isn't, the conversation that she's going to be able to engage Courtney in. And so it's like, it's kind of leaving her with one other option. Yes, of course, you and I know that there's a lot of in-between conversations that can exist and a lot of in-between, you know, options other than Courtney leaving or Scott feeling overwhelmingly validated for an issue that he kind of somewhat caused in the first place. But I do think just to give Chris a little bit of the benefit in this situation is she's operating from this understanding of like, okay, telling Courtney
0: to get out is no longer an option. Right. And that in between that you mentioned is exactly what I was talking about. I'm not looking for Chris to come in here and say, all right, Courtney, it's, it's clearly a no-go with this guy. She's made it clear. That's not what she wants. She's literally pregnant with his kid. Like that was not the preferred route by any means, but it was more so as your mom, I see you guys have these massive communication issues that are going to continue to arise. And I'm certainly not the one to help fix them, but maybe let's figure out a way that we can help you facilitate those conversations. Cause like, whatever's happening here is not the fix. Right. And so then in Courtney's confessional, she says, I do admit that I'm not the most expressive person. Maybe my mom's right. And I should get him a little symbol to show him how much I love him. And Chris says, when they're in the store, can I ask you a question? Not to make you feel bad, but do you ever do anything nice for him? And she goes, mom, first of all, you should talk. And Chris is saying, you know, yeah, I get mad at Caitlin all the time and I'm annoyed constantly, but then I'll bust a motorcycle out of my ass and and give it to her and she's so excited, which I can't even get into. It's like, yeah, I have major fucking issues in my relationship too, but at least I just throw a bandaid over the problem. It's like, this is not the the person that should be leading the charge here.
1: It's not, but Chris Jenner saying that she busts a motorcycle out of her ass is one of the most underrated lines in Probably any episode of Kardashians. Because by the way, it's not a fix, but it is a very, very, very distinct understanding of her partner.
0: Yes, it is a very distinct understanding of her partner. I mean, one thing about Caitlyn, she loves a fucking gadget. (laughs) No? Yes. Loves a gadget. (laughs) Loves a gadget. Anyway, so later that night, Caitlyn plans this kind of surprise dinner for Chris to thank her for putting the whole trip together. And Kim then suggests that they do peak and pit, to which Courtney says her pit was the day of traveling and Scott's temper tantrum, but that it also made her realize that he's not disposable and she doesn't want him to feel that way. And Kim goes, is Courtney expressing emotion at the table in front of other people? Which I had that same reaction. I also want to mention, just because it's so fitting given the last episode of Kardashian's, which is Scott saying that his peak is watching, you know, Kendall and Kylie making their little music video and just watching them grow up and that he's known them at the time when they were so little and now they're growing into young women. And that was a very similar sentiment he communicated at his 40th Lord birthday party in the finale of this season of Kardashians. It's like, he really loves them. You know, there really is an older brother bond there. The way I felt about Scott in that moment
1: I thought him saying that was so incredibly sweet and so unexpected based on what we saw throughout the entire course of the episode that I was literally sitting there listening to him say that about Kendall and Kylie and going, oh, I get how everybody forgives him all the time. Like, I get how he can do something that almost ruins the entire vacation and then can say something so sweet and sincere, by the way, and the rest of it kind of gets ignored. Well... As
0: my dad says, he's a trauma, you know? He's like a charmer. He is, he is. Anyway, Chris says, and that's why we love you. Courtney moves to sit next to Scott and she says to him, I just wanted to say that I know I'm indecisive, but I'm not indecisive with you. And I'm obviously committed to us, even though we're not like getting married. And I thought that was understood. And Scott says, the whole reason that I had another kid with you is because you agreed to get married if we had another kid. And she says, but not while I'm pregnant. He goes, no, but now I'm over it. You broke the contract, you broke the deal. And she says, what was the deal? And Scott says, the deal is that we would get married, but obviously you're so indecisive and you go back and forth on your word. So I'm not going to keep trying with you forever. And Scott says, I had the one kid. And then you said, you didn't want to be with me unless I had another one. I said, okay, well, if we have another child, I think it's fair that we get married. You said, yes, you got pregnant. And I said, any thoughts on getting married? And you said, no. I go, okay, great. And Courtney's response to that is, I didn't say no, but they're just things that kind of we're still working on. And Scott says, You have a perfect excuse right there to never proceed with our relationship. You don't know what it's like for me. I love everybody, yeah, but it's just a lot of strong people in one house. It's a lot to handle for anybody. And I do these things for you, but it's not like you ever show me any appreciation. And in Courtney's confessional, she's saying that she sees Scott's point that sometimes she doesn't appreciate him and that, you know, he does make her happy and she is committed to him and she doesn't want to be with anybody else. And she's saying, You know, I just sometimes don't understand how he doesn't know that which I mean, there's a million things to say about this. Then at the table, she tells him she went shopping with Chris to get him something to show her commitment and appreciation. And she gives him the bracelet that he got him. And in his confessional, Scott says, sometimes Courtney does surprise me and she hasn't been that spontaneous in a long time. But the fact that she told me in front of her whole family how much she loves me and how committed she is to our family makes me feel good. It's a very cute idea, this love bracelet. It obviously doesn't go with my gold accessories, but if it did, I would always wear it. (sighs) What a fucking whirlwind. I like, I can't. I mean, how? I don't know. How can you be so on opposite pages about something so serious? It's not like we're talking about what color do you want to do the bathroom? It's like they have a fundamental difference in their understanding of a conversation about proceeding with their relationship and what that was going to look like and what the agreement was. I mean, it's unbelievable how. It's, I don't even mean it's unbelievable from an emotional perspective. It's unbelievable logistically they were able to last as long as they did, given how half the time they didn't even know what each other were saying. It's one of the crazier things that I've witnessed. And it's so funny
1: because I think we always found that element of their relationship to be so crazy. Like just how different their communication style is and the fact that they seem to be on two completely different pages in regards to what they both want out of their relationship in the future. But as it progresses and as they have more kids and as more stuff starts to come up for them and more
0: challenges and more, oh my God, it's like unfathomable. It's unfathomable. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's exhausting for everybody involved, honestly.
1: A hilarious element of the Courtney and Scott conversation in that scene was Chris sitting next to Courtney and not making any comments, but leaning in further and further to hear what they were saying, and then having very visible facial reactions as they're talking that neither of them saw, but obviously we as viewers saw because it was all on camera. Well, I mean, that's the other piece of
0: this. While the rest of the family is obviously exhausted by the constant turmoil that is Courtney and Scott, they're still so interested in it. Like, The way that we feel it's great reality TV, they're actually getting to witness it up close and personal. And on some level, even if you're annoyed by it, you still get drawn in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's just a lot here, a lot going on. Obviously we end with the final hypnotized music video, which is just one for the ages. And as I said in the beginning, needs to be remade. Not that song. Let's get a new song, 2023, whatever that is. But we need that. We deserve that. Bring back the tradition, a million percent, more than just one. With like some serious production value. I'm talking a Northwest cameo. I'm talking, actually, I'm talking all the grandkids. Duh. Yeah. We'll talk to the powers that be. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think that's it. We love you guys. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. And we'll see you later.